you know, much like a taxi, we need to get this show on the road. Hello and welcome to the Amped About Movies podcast. I'm David, and today Colin, Hunter, Andrew, Chad, and I will discuss the 1976 crime drama Taxi Driver, which is currently available on Netflix at the time of this recording. This movie was written by Paul Schrader, directed by Martin Scorsese, and stars Robert De Niro, Jodie Foster, and Sybil Shepard. Next week, we'll be watching Don't Look Up, which is currently available on Netflix. Finally, if you enjoy the podcast, please remember to follow us and turn on notifications on whatever platform you're listening through so that you'll be notified when we post our next episode. And now for a brief synopsis of the film before we begin our discussion. A mentally unstable veteran works as a nighttime taxi driver in New York City, where the perceived decadence and sleaze fuels his urge for violent action. There will be spoilers in this podcast, so we highly recommend you watch the movie before listening. And now to hand it off to Colin. What did you think of this movie, Colin? Thanks, David. I got a mixed reception, honestly, on this movie. Similarly, when we kind of go back and review classics, I always try to view it in the the lens of when it came out because it's that's probably how people view it as, how impactful it's been. And I think mm-hmm. at the time, it was probably a big deal, especially showcasing that part of society, quote-unquote, like kind of undesirables, prostitutes, druggies, uh, night workers, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But then again, I don't know. It it was interesting. I really liked the scenes when it was at night, and it was kind of more hashtag vibes with like the jazz in the background. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But I didn't necessarily like the ending, and I didn't like his relationship with Betsy. It honestly, it felt like like a validation of a school shooter movie. Like that's like a I don't know. And I don't know if like that last scene after the shootout was like a dream sequence when he was like dying and it like validated his, I don't know, his, his vengeance, I guess. But I, tonally, I thought it was off. Um, but then again, it, it was kind of a countercultural film from what I could pick up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, Robert De Niro, I mean, I like him as an actor, but I just think he was like maybe that was the point for him to be kind of stunted and weird because he doesn't talk to people. But I thought all of his relationships specifically with women in this movie was just kind of weird. And he had kind of a God complex. Oh yeah. uh, I don't know. It was interesting. I don't know if I'd watch it again, but um, I've seen a lot worse movies and I feel like this one's definitely like, did I hate it? No. Did I, Again, like this is the same thing I felt about like Citizen Kane. Should this be regarded as like one of the best films ever? Probably not, but I can definitely see if like someone was like Quentin Tarantino and he saw this movie, like I can definitely see why this was cited as like a large inspiration for a lot of directors that I like. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it was a perfect movie. I thought it was just an okay movie. Um, also, it's just so funny to see like Harvey Keitel with like long mm. hair and yeah. all these people being young is so surreal. Also the <laughs> scene with Martin Scorsese, I thought that was awkward. And also why they have to keep saying the N word all the time, but whatever. 
I digress. Uh, I'll let someone else take the wheel from here. Yeah, yeah, no, I think, I think that you make a good point that it's, it's very awkward at times and it's very uncomfortable. And I think that they very much imply that Travis Bickle is racist to some degree, at least pretty racist, I'd say, (laughs) just based on the way he treats black people in the film, the way he, you know, refers to a lot of people in the city as undesirables and then what that shows in his view um, as he's driving around. So, I mean, yeah, he's not the kind of guy you're rooting for. In fact, halfway through the film, it starts to take this downward spiral and it's the kind of person that I feel like everyone knows, at least one of those people that just they they aren't really connected to other people. They don't really know a lot of people and and you feel bad for them, but you still like there's a reason they don't really connect with a lot of people. And for that reason, you almost don't want to talk to them. Right. It's like, well, I think immediately after watching this movie, I had to like take a step back and say, like, is this a story that really should be told? Like, I feel like. Like, is, of all the things you can spotlight, is this, I feel like this is very similar to like Catcher in the Rye. Like, both this movie and Catcher in the Rye both inspired, like, assassinations, like, one of which was successful. For those that don't know, apparently this is the one that, this movie inspired the guy who shot Ronald Reagan, so, or attempted to shoot Ronald Reagan. I don't, I don't remember if he actually got shot, but, um, I don't know. It's like, it's, if it's not that lens, it's kind of interesting, especially in the, the atmosphere of the time when this came out, especially with like Sirhan Sirhan and Lee Harvey Oswald and shooting very similar to this movie, like prominent liberal kind of politicians. So I don't know if it, it was that kind of lens, but in that case... I think, I think this was actually... This movie was inspired by someone who tried to assassinate a president. I forget. LBJ, I think. Okay. Like, I, I is what I read. So... Yeah. It's almost like art becomes reality. Right, and I think that's kind of interesting. I don't think they leaned into it. Like, I, I, it's weird. Like the hard right turn it takes. I, it felt kind of forced when it was like, oh yeah, he was gonna shoot a presidential candidate. Like, oh, he'll actually just shoot some pimps and stuff and traumatize this twelve-year-old. Um, so he's a hero now, and I think that's kind of a weird tonal shift that I wasn't on board with. I thought that like her parents reading the letters or whatever to him at the end when they're like you were in a coma and we can't go back to new york we're from pittsburgh uh but you're a hero and like that i feel like that's weird to paint him in a light that's so like throughout the whole movie you're seeing him go crazy and like become completely unhinged and they're like oh he was actually a good guy yeah but i think i think what that says to me is like society doesn't know what to do with these people like Travis Bickle is constantly being shunted from person to person. Nobody really wants to connect with him because he's a weirdo. And when he finally like does something that's he he like finally breaks out of the mold and does something that affects other people, people, I mean, it could have gone either way. They could have, they should have probably arrested him for just murdering people. But like, I guess people were so happy that he took care of these bad, bad guys as we all agree that they're bad people as well. Yeah. that that pushed him to being seen as a hero. And then again, all these people, they're just going to call him a hero. They write some articles about him. They make their money off of writing on him on the story. And then they, they move on. No one's going to care about him in like three weeks. The girl, Betsy, she, she remembers him. She thinks more highly of him now, but again, she doesn't really care about him. And then 
you know, just three weeks later, he's going to go off the handle again, and this time he's going to get himself killed. I I don't think we should be applauding someone for shooting and killing three people. Right, right. Right, and I think that that's not really... The movie isn't saying that we should. The movie is saying that this is what would happen, that society would do this, and that it's not going to solve the problem because he still thinks the way he thinks. He and, lives and he gets shot in the neck and survives somehow, which I don't understand. Yeah. But I don't know. I, yeah, I, yeah, whatever. I'll, I'll, let's keep rolling. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Uh, all right. Beard, what did you think? Yeah. So, Colin, you, you made some great points. And I think what you're bringing up is like exactly what the, the movie is trying to underscore and, and to kind of, To kind of solidify that, I I came across a quote on the wiki. This is from James Berardinelli, and he wrote, uh, Taxi driver is steeped in irony. The five-minute epilogue underscores the vagaries of fate. Media builds Bickle into a hero when, had he been a little quicker in drawing his gun against Senator Palantine, he would have been reviled as an assassin. As the film closes, the misanthrope has been embraced as a model citizen, someone who takes on pimps, drug dealers, and mobsters to save one girl. So, yeah, I mean, like, that's exactly the point. Like, it's it's almost like a like a warning that you're like, whoa, like, be careful before we start, like, celebrating vigilantes like this, Mm because, like, clearly, you know, Travis, like, wasn't a good person. And, like, yeah, you could say he had kind of mixed motives where... Like some of the things like trying to save uh, Iris was good. I mean, yeah, that's that's a good that's a good intention. But like, obviously, execution is another thing. So, yeah. So, Colin, your your reaction, I think, is exactly what was intended by this movie. Like we, we should be very unsettled by what happened at the end. Right. It's not a good okay. thing. What happened? So it's, I was going to say, because I feel like in other Scorsese films, which I do I like, I was talking about this with Yeva, Goodfellas, Wolf of Wall Street. I feel like it's very it's clearer for me to showcase like oh these guys are shitheads, like but people it, it like classically Wolf of Wall Street everyone in finance is like oh I want to do Wolf of Wall Street this movie's amazing, um, but this one I feel like it maybe just because it was one of his earlier films and it wasn't as clear being like oh this is an anti-hero like you should not be rooting for him whereas that message <laughs> got more refined later on where it's like oh yeah Goodfellas is a fun movie but they're not good people. You know, where this one, I feel like it's it's a little bit more blurred. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I thought, too, actually, because as I was writing down my comments for this, I felt like like I, the first thing I wrote was if this movie wasn't made so well, I feel like it would have been much more disturbing to watch or like way less enjoyable. Right. Because like Scorsese just does such a good job of you making you question, like, should you be rooting for Travis or not? Right. and you're like, even like as much as you can objectively look at him and be like, this is a bad person. You're like still captivated by his story and you still like want to see what, what, what happens to him and see how this turns out. Right. So I, I personally think that's a pretty good mark for of a good movie. I, I will say you also make good points, Colin, about how some of these like themes and, and portrayals, I think would definitely not pass today. Um, yeah. I was also pretty, put off by that scene with um where martin Scorsese says he makes a cameo in the back seat of the cab i, mean, <laughs> I was gonna say like why did he sign himself up for that like he literally, right. it's like when Tar- it's when tarantino does the same thing where he's like why do you want to be the known as a guy in pulp fiction to say there's you know a dead n-word in your garage <laughs> right. like that is 
why do you sign up for that? Of all the people in the movie you could be, you're the one dude that says the N-word in it? Like, in both movies? I don't understand it. Like, the only thing I can think of is that they must have had some other, you know, minor actor try to do this role. Because it's not a big role, right? In both of those movies. And then both directors were like, nope, that's that's not how I want this to be. So they just did it themselves. I was right. like, is this a commentary on Italians? And I was like, they had like one little bit early <laughs> in the movie where they're like, oh, would they do what the the mobsters cut their fingers off. It was an Italian kid? That was a weird scene. But yeah, I thought right? that was interesting. And I was like, was were Italians like viewed not as white people at this time? I can't remember. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, we weren't yeah, I there. That was, I thought that was funny too. I mean, I guess, like, I can't really say, you know, for Pulp Fiction, but I guess in this movie, like, the the only credence I can I can grant it is that you know they're just they, they have lots of characters who are trying to portray what New York was yeah. like in the seventies right. and like but I think that mm-hmm. they did a very good job in making it feel scummy, which is right. I think a very as a theme of the movie mm-hmm. and uh, especially that that one scene with Scorsese like he talks about how powerful the gun is, for, right like a lot of that scene which I think obviously you know comes back and talks about later on in the movie but i i did think the <laughs> the way that was set up was weird yeah that's a good point too like maybe part of the purpose of that scene was also to set up or foreshadow that for travis to like kind of plant the idea in his head he's like oh yeah maybe i should go buy a gun maybe no 100 i think that's gun. exactly what it was yeah. right and again like could that you know would that have been executed differently nowadays certainly but like you know we, we, we it gets the point across i suppose um right. and it was certainly a different time but yeah i mean the portrayal of new york at that time was, was incredible i mean it was it, it felt very spot on um, oh for and, sure that was like and, my favorite part of the movie when they were like just driving around those oh, scenes, yeah. and it's definitely they just drove around and got a lot of just people on the street they filmed oh yeah yeah, it felt very realistic. And that jazz was just oh, so perfect. The jazz, the music's perfect so music. good. Mm-hmm. So good. So, all right. anyway, all those things in mind, um, I, I thought it was really well made. And, you know, mm-hmm. so much so that it, I, I think um, it uh, kind of uh, makes up for the fact that it's, uh, it's a little unsettling to watch. Yeah. So. Yeah. Sweet. All right, Hunter, what did you think about this movie? Yeah, I'm you're building on what you said. I thought it was kind of like stepping into a time machine, just talking about how well made it is. I don't want to repeat the same points, but it felt it felt so authentic. And I really loved the camera angles. I thought the camera angles were fascinating that were used in this movie when uh, De Niro is at the shooting range and He's firing his gun and the camera lights up and then it it goes to black. And then when he shoots the gun and it goes closer into him. And then when he's about to take another shot, it goes back. And I thought that was great. That final shot after he goes in and he kills the three guys and everything's paused right after after he sat there. And it's this um, ceiling bird eye angle that is you have to think for 1976 that's not an easy shot to get like that is that is somebody having to walk across um either a steel beam or if those are mannequins to set that up 
Now, I just thought that that was the very impressive. This is my second time watching the movie. The first time, I did not like this movie at all. I, I had no idea what I was going into, and I got very bored, and I did not appreciate it for what it was. My second time viewing it, I was more prepared. It was still very unsettling, but it was more fascinating because hearing you all discuss the meaning of this movie and its purpose, um, I'm still trying to find that. I'm still trying to find the reason why this movie was made and the ultimate message that it wants to get across. And I haven't looked it up that much. It's just me trying to evaluate. And it's I, I think this is just me not being able to read it. It's not that apparent, but I'm fascinated from it uh, by this movie from a character piece and seeing visually you can see De Niro changing, how he gets more pale, how he gets scruffy at time and his appearance, and then how he talks and how he acts. I just think it's very interesting to see this character become more and more and more detached from reality. And then there are glimpses when he looks healthier and he might, you think, oh, is he acting healthier? Then he just goes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And from a character study piece, I think it's incredibly fascinating. But from a meaning piece, I am disappointed to say that I don't think um, I am on the same level of understanding as you three, at least at this moment in time. Well, hopefully we can change that over the next five to ten minutes. (laughs) (laughs) I I think this movie has so much meaning in it. So much meaning in it. I thought this movie was just meaning to the brim. It was so so interesting to watch. I'll agree with you that I was also kind of bored while watching this movie about halfway through. I think it wasn't necessarily boredom, but almost just like that secondhand embarrassment. You know what I mean? Like when you're watching when I'm I'm watching it right about the halfway point of the movie, right about an hour in, maybe 55 minutes in is that point where you realize that he's not going to get better. You realize that he is going down a path that is only going to further radicalize him, further make him more siphoned or separated from the rest of society and it's not going to end well you know right away because he's like oh i'm gonna look into guns Uh, this guy was telling me about about the the guy with his wife and you know now i'm all want to take care of the scum he talks to the politician about how the city's full of scum and the politician abdicates all responsibility for this guy and just goes yeah yeah we're gonna have to make some tough decisions it's gonna be tough and then he just gets out of the car and looks around like that guy's a weirdo. And he just bolts. And then he goes on the stage and goes, you know, we are the people and we together can fix this country. You know, that is what is saying. And that's part of the meaning. It's it's not just a character piece, which I think it is a beautiful character piece, but it's also a piece on our country. It's a piece on the state of our union and how we just let people like this exist and fester with no help, no one to reach out to them. And and then when they do something, they finally burst, they act out. Then they're hailed as a hero or they're just kind of dismissed. And then, you know, because it wasn't something that we deem as bad, it was something we're like, oh, well, that's morally permissible. He killed some bad people. And to be fair, they are bad people. And there are so many bad people that are truly scum. Like he says, he's not completely wrong, which is part of why we can root for him a little bit, because He's actually kind of right as he's driving through. He's seeing things he shouldn't see. He's being forced to take part in miserable things like accepting money from a pimp 
to not talk about something to the police. I mean, that weighed on him, which is why he never spent that money until the end when he could use it to buy it back his way into speaking with the, with the, the prostitute. And, you know, so we can see that there is stuff that's weighing on him. He's trying to have a moral compass. He's trying to be a hero because all we tell ourselves in this country, you know, it's kind of it reminded me a lot of that of that line from uh, from Die Hard. Where he's like, you've watched one too many cowboy movies, you know, like that's exactly what happened. He watched too many cowboy movies. He thought he could be a hero. And that's why he makes himself some contraptions. We so can sling his gun out really fast. I mean, he truly was going off the deep end and no one's there to be there for him. And when he tries to reach out, nobody can receive that level of depth that he needs. So I don't know. I thought, And then at the end, like you were saying, Colin, some the, the dad's just reading this letter. And again, the girl expressed that she didn't want to be saved. He's the only one who believes that she needs saving. And to be fair, she she kind of did. I mean, it's a messed up situation. Um, she shouldn't be there, in my opinion. But at the same time, it's it's a it's a really gray nuanced situation that i mean it's hard to know what the right or wrong thing to do there obviously i don't think you should murder people (laughs) so i'm not really in favor of that route but i think it's it's just one of those situations where he gets a letter from the guy and there are some people that say that's a dream it's a it's a whole dream sequence because you know it's such an idyllic ending but the director the writer and the actor all say it's not a dream sequence so I'm inclined to agree with them and, and believe that this is just society's way of handling the problem of, of people like Travis by just shuffling them out, uh, trotting them out as heroes for a little bit, and then, you know, ignoring them again until they do something else that's deemed crazy or worth our attention. So anyway, I don't want to keep going before I hand it over to Chad. What did you think about this movie? Yeah, so this was my first time viewing it and it has always been one that was on my list to see because it's always been one of those movies that i i see as like a must-see movie if you're a cinephile it's it's you know one of the better movies ever made super iconic and when the movie ended the first thing i did was open google and i typed in why is taxi driver one of the best movies ever Upon further research and, and and delving a little bit deeper into some of the meaning and obviously a lot of the things that you guys have already talked about, I I can see why it is considered that. It is getting across a very a numerous deep messages and definitely making some very important points about the, the world in which the film is set and made as well. I just really struggled to get into it. I struggled with the pacing in the beginning. I struggled with finding a character to connect with or root with. Um, The actor who played Tom really took me out of the movie. I thought that guy was absolutely awful. I thought he was a terrible actor, hated that character and and the way that he was like performing. So like just, and that, that, that just might be like (laughs) that era of acting. Cause that seems very commonplace for like, those that those period of movies is that style of acting but i really i just it really i don't like it which guy was um, tom was he the one in the he's the afro dude okay the, yeah that yeah, yeah. The, the political aid got it didn't like that it was really like that was like really took me out of it for whatever reason <laughs> anytime he was on screen I, it would immediately brought me back to like man that guy just like swinging a miss for me at least <laughs> um 
But all of that being said, I I lump this with um, the first the first thing that I was thinking about when I was like, what like how can I get across that I know this is a good movie and I recognize the 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 how well it was made while also saying that I didn't like it. And I immediately thought of my opinion of Apocalypse Now, which is another movie that is very highly regarded, critically acclaimed. I think does a lot of the same things of trying to make some very deep points. Um, even stylistically, it, it feels a little bit similar to me on viewing. And it's another movie I just, I can't get into and I don't like a lot. I don't know why these two are just, they're just, I can't, I can't get into them. Maybe it's because I can't connect mm. to something in the film. Uh, maybe it's because this, this world of 1970s New York is so foreign to me that it's, it's almost like another planet because that's not really a world that I'm familiar with or I can connect with. But what redeems it in my mind is that there are still just the bedrock fundamentals of filmmaking executed to such high quality that even as I'm watching it and I'm like, man, I am bored and I don't like any of the characters and I'm like kind of confused as to what they're going with right now. There are certain sequences (laughs) and scenes where I'm like, this is so well done i don't even care what's going on like the shooting range sequence i I love that but like that came out of nowhere for me because you know we spent 40 minutes of him just driving around new york city and then we get radically different like camera angles and scene and pacing and all of that and i was like this is interesting and different and, and i i like that and definitely things that i liked definitely things that i didn't like um i think immediately after finishing it and about 45 minutes later after watching a couple youtube videos and and looking up some articles and things i had a much deeper appreciation for what it was trying to convey um but eh, it's not it wasn't for me it's not my favorite thing ever i will i would say i probably need to watch it again i probably need to watch it again with the understanding of what it's trying to do and what it's trying to convey i'm sure it's going to be very similar situation to what hunter went through where First time, didn't like it, wasn't for you. Second time, you can really appreciate all the richness that's built into it. Um, but it's probably going to be a little bit. I, I, I don't anticipate watching it again in the next six to 12 months. But it's one of those, where if I see it, it's going to be coming off Netflix, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get my second viewing in. I can't, yeah. I can't let it go knowing how, what, it, what I can eventually get out of it. I can't let that opportunity pass to see it again. So not my favorite, but, you know, it's good. I liked yeah. it in the sense that it's a solid movie and it has good messaging, but eh, a little bit of a slog for me. Sweet. Goddamn Tom. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> I actually, you know what? I actually kind of like that guy because that guy represented the everyman. He's kind of like the person in the situation, you know, who, you know, who just, you know, works somewhere. He, He's just the guy who's trying to maintain peace, right? When the crazy guy walks in. Uh, so the only character that I could possibly connect with was the one that I hated. I hate, I hate, I hate what I've become. <laughs> I see. That's right, Chad. That's right. You must hate yourself to enjoy this movie. That's how it works. I also wanted to talk about noir because yeah. that's something we didn't really touch on but I looked up the definition and I saw this great definition of noir on Twitter like a couple weeks ago and I I didn't even think twice about saving it or anything I just I was like oh that's interesting and I couldn't find it but I found on Wikipedia noir fiction is a subgenre of crime fiction in this subgenre right and wrong are not clearly defined 
while the protagonists are seriously and often tragically flawed. In its modern form, noir has come to denote a marked darkness in theme and subject matter, generally featuring a disturbing mixture of sex and violence. And I thought this film really, really slides well into the noir fiction subgenre. And again, from that point of view, the jazz, the shots, the nighttime driving, like that uneasy feeling of being disconnected from everybody else because you're sitting in the front and everyone else sits in the back. You know, I thought it was so apt. You know, honestly, when you describe it like that, you could even draw similarities between Taxi Driver and Akira. Except like Akira is a way more like futuristic sci-fi noir. This is a more contemporary noir. And like something like Chinatown is a more period noir. Yeah. Ooh, that gave me chills. Yeah, right? Bring it full circle, Beard. (laughs) That's interesting. That is fascinating. I was thinking when you were describing in the front and that divide between sitting in the front and in the back, I was thinking of Parasite. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, there was a scene just like that in Parasite, too. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, yes, exactly. That's that's exactly right. That's kind of what it's what this movie is talking about. That's why I felt so strongly about this movie having a powerful meaning because it's just like, it's so emblematic in that he's so disconnected from society that he thinks it's normal to go to a porno theater on a second date. Like, yeah, that was so cringy. (laughs) I could not take that. It was cringy and I didn't like watching it. But at the same time, I was just, I was there with, uh, Betsy, you know, I'm I'm in Betsy's head thinking, oh my gosh, what is going on? Is this real? Like, that's 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 how the average person would react. They would just be repelled instead of thinking like, this guy needs help. Like he's so lonely. You know, at the end, at the end, you can tell she's not thinking to herself, man, that guy went off the handle, and like. Try and he killed a bunch of people, and now he's being hailed as a hero. This is a problem. She's just thinking to herself, like, huh. You can tell, like, the look on her face is like, huh. Maybe I should give this guy a second chance. You know. I know. I hated that. That's why, like, right. That like that's why I kind of felt like I wanted to root for the, you know, it's not a real scene at the end. It's like his idyllic, you know, final thoughts or like it's a dream kind of, whatever. But. Yeah, it's like it's hard to accept that, that apparently that that's a like the legitimate end of the movie. Right. But I think I think that's powerful because again it says that you know people are so wrapped up in their own lives they're not paying attention to those around them and, and the like logical thought process that you could easily apply if you just thought about it like okay this guy is super weird he went off the handle when he came to my work and he was, you know, pushed away. Then he shoots a bunch of people and now he's just doing taxi driver stuff again. Like this guy, there's something wrong, right? And just like imagine what Betsy would have thought if she knew that he tried to kill Palantine. Right. Yeah. Like it just changes. It just changes the whole thing, even if even though he didn't actually do it. Right. Just right. Like, the fact that he tried to. Yeah. Change everything. And, Right. And so it's it is interesting, like. 
you know, I really don't understand. That's the one thing I don't really get why he was going to do that. Like, I don't understand why he even thought of killing Palantine. Palantine. Like, I, think I figured. Probably... What, oh, go sorry. Ahead. Go ahead, Hunter. No, I. It was a really bad joke. Oh. <laughs> Palantine, oh. Palantine, and I said Palpatine. I'm starting. I know. Oh, I, I, I know. I, I kept, said Palpatine. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking about that the whole time. I'm like, is this some kind of? No, this was before Star Wars. This can't even. This can't be a reference. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I think to, to answer your question, David, I think he was just like frustrated, and you know, I think he could kind of tell that in that conversation in the taxi cab when Palantine was in the back seat. I think you could kind of tell that he was kind of like blowing him off, mm. and you know. You know, listening to his like campaign rhetoric, you know, it was very uh, service level. And, you know, he didn't you could tell like. Palantine did not empathize with like what with, with Travis's concerns with the city and, you know, how like, yeah. things need to be cleaned up and stuff. So he was just like, screw it, this guy's not helping out. And, you know, and obviously this I mean, that's part of it. But also Travis was just like unhinged. He just like was not mm-hmm. thinking in a way that was logical or empathetic so like you yeah. know he's just compelled like he was just driven so crazy by his environment that he just was driven to do something crazy yeah yeah you're right you know i think i think part of it was that he was trying to do something and like you were saying the rhetoric they showed it very many like a lot of times how he was basically saying the same speech over and over again everywhere he went like he he never made any points he on the tv he says well i think i've defined my policies a lot more than the other guy and (laughs) right what i thought what i actually thought was super interesting was like you know his slogan is like we are the people and then the other guy's slogan is like a return to greatness and they were both the democrat primary members they never showed the opposite party which i think to me suggests that they're not even they're not making a uh they're not making a commentary on the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. They're making a commentary on politicians in general and how politicians right. generally don't have our best interests at heart. They're generally power hungry people who are self-interested and just trying to get elected so they can be in power. Or at the very least, just really disconnected from yeah. the average person right right at the best case that at the worst case what i said so yeah so i think i think that was what i found really interesting because at first i saw the other poster in the background of of the opponent i was like oh is this some kind of commentary that's relevant today and then then it turns out that guy's the other democrat i'm like oh well damn okay now that's even more interesting um because it goes beyond the surface i thought that was great all right, well, I want to go ahead and jump into scores. We can come back to discuss some of these other fundamentals and, and stuff like that, but I do want to go ahead and jump into scores just to kind of uh, air all that out. So we'll first hand it over to Colin. What did you rate this movie? Thanks, David. Uh, give it around like a 7 out of 10. All right. Like, okay, well, not bad. I definitely didn't regret watching it, but I probably wouldn't watch it again. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's fair. I think I, I pretty much represent that in my rating. I gave it a six in enjoyability and pretty much everything else was an eight. Actually, everything else was either an eight or a nine for me. So I came out with an 82 in the end because I did feel like it deserved a decent score. It was such a well done movie. The music was beautiful. But I agree with you that I wouldn't really want to watch this again for a little while just yeah. due to the slow pacing and the heavy I, material. I was gonna say I definitely listened I should look it up if they have their this soundtrack on like Spotify or something. Yeah. The jazz the jazz is great. I did like that's the that was my favorite part of the movie. It was like kind of the first quarter when it was just like him vibing with the jazz and like the the street lights and traffic and all that stuff. I I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Thanks Colin. Beard. What did you rate this movie? Yeah, so similar to you, David, I gave this a six in enjoyability because, yeah, it was it was a little hard to watch, um, yet captivating. But a lot of these other scores I gave really high this time around. Uh, this is my second time viewing it, by the way. So I gave it a 10 in character development, 10 in cinematography, 10 in soundtrack. I thought, like kind of what Chad was saying, like the, the bedrock fundamentals of filmmaking – I thought were outstanding on this movie. So I, I give it fantastic scores. And I think I, I can definitely see why it's considered one of the greatest for those reasons. Um, Acting, I gave a nine. I, I thought it was also really strong. I thought De Niro gave an outstanding performance and profoundness a nine as well. I, um, I'm i glad I watched this on Monday. So I had two days to think about it because uh, even my second viewing, I, I feel like I had to mold over for a long time. So it was it was an interesting one for sure. I think my first time I watched this was I was probably too young. I was like hmm. sixteen. Like I mean, you know, I was like old enough for the content. Yeah, but like that's I, definitely I, I, like I didn't really get it. You know, like yeah. it didn't like it didn't really. Um, I actually found it more disturbing later on in life. Like it, like I just I wasn't old enough to like really understand like the gravity of what was going on in the movie. Yeah. Um, when I watched it the first time. So for that, yeah. it was like equally more disturbing and also maybe appreciate it more for like what it was doing. Yeah. Um, in fact, I even tried to rewatch it back in 2020, but it was like too much. I like mm-hmm. for everything that was going on that year, I like stopped halfway through. I'm like, eh, I'm not really feeling it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a little too heavy. Yeah, you know, that's a good point about watching it at this stage in life. Because, I mean, right now, I think all five of us have, can say we've experienced living alone in an apartment. Maybe not maybe not all of us, but I know that at least living by yourself for any period of time, whether it's a day or a month or a year, you get to uh, experience a different side of being lonely uh, that you don't experience when you live in a home with other people, with your family or with your, you know, roommates, uh, and that loneliness, when you just have no one to go to, it allows you to empathize with this main character, Travis, in a way that I think you can't do if you're a 16 year old living at home. So. Dude, that is exactly right. And that is exactly how I felt about it because you're right. Like that was, that was the thing that changed. Like last year I was living in an urban environment in an apartment mm-hmm. by myself. Yeah. Much more like his situation. Granted, like nothing like seventies New York. But <laughs> like it was it was totally different than when I grew up in my cozy suburb in high school. Like totally different. So that that's a great point. So anyway, overall score ended up being way higher than I expected. I gave it an eighty eight. Ooh. Um, 
And for context, the first time I watched it, I gave it a 76. So 12 point increase. That was, it was wow. way more than I was expecting. I think that it goes to show again, kind of what we were talking about last week. When you watch a good movie over and over again, you get more out of it. When you watch a bad movie and over and over again, you hate it more and more. <laughs> Agreed. You know, and totally. I think that that just goes to show because I think I would also rate this movie higher on a second viewing than I already did. And I already rated it. I actually bumped it up a point, booped it up a point to 83 uh, due to your discussion about the cinematography because I had it at an eight. But you're right. The cinematography was beautiful. All right. Well, I'm going to hand it over to Hunter. What did you rate this movie? Yeah, Beard, I, I'm shocked. Is that the second highest rated movie on our podcast for you? Because no, number um, one is Kane, and I don't know what number two would be. Well, let's see. Okay, so we watched this in Kane. I give that a 94. We watched Chinatown, which I give a 91. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And then, eight, and then, so I gave this one 88, and I also gave Parasite and There Will Be Blood 88. Gotcha. Nice. Wow, wow those are some solid picks. Yeah, this is in really good company. Wow, that's ex- uh, I'm I'm very surprised, but it makes sense. I'm a milkshake. I thought I drink my it up. Was- I'm impressed. Andrew has something from this century up there. <laughs> All right, Chad. <laughs> you can. I did out. see that there were screen there were there were like pictures from this movie on IMDb that were in black and white, and I was like, hmm, this movie would actually look kind of sick in black and white. Yeah, I feel. Oh, that would be a vibe. Um, so getting into my ratings, I am <laughs> the Snyder similar. Cut. Hey, the Snyder cut in black and white. I, I watched that. No, I'm the talking about the get... Snyder cut of this. Oh, that, the, the black and white I, Snyder cut of Taxi Driver. Four hours of black and white driving around in a taxi. <laughs> four hours of just in the desert jazz at night. That's it. All right, sorry, Hunter. Go ahead. Oh, no, it's all good. I Similar to you all, enjoyability took the lowest hit. I gave it a six. I'm debating on probably giving it a five. I just did give it a five. But everything else was seven, eights, and nines. Uh, the standouts was overall plot, I gave a seven. Acting, I gave a nine. Uh, cinematography, I gave a nine. Soundtrack, I gave a nine. That smooth jazz. I was just waiting for... Jerry Seinfeld to uh, fly in there as a bee and say you like jazz and just be chilling in the in the taxi cab. <laughs> uh, I really wanted to. I've waited this whole podcast to make that joke. <laughs> I mean, he's the same color as the taxi, so. There you go. It was meant to be. It makes sense. Um, and then I gave Impact an eight, and I'm debating on giving it a nine just because, you know, Beard's similar to you. See that the second time watching this, I've gotten more out of it. But at the same time, I know I don't have as much as I could be based on the conversation uh, that you, Colin and David, were having, and the fact that you all noticed those things. And that wasn't really something that hit me. I know that there are more viewings left, and there's more to get out of it. And so uh, I bumped that up to a nine overall, seventy-nine. All right. Yeah, no, that's a pretty good score. Based on what you were saying. <laughs> um, all right. I like it. And finally, Chad, what did you rate this movie? I kind of followed right in line with everybody. Uh, probably just a, a point or two behind in most categories. Again, enjoyability taking the biggest hit. I also put a five. 
it was just very average enjoyability for me. Outside of that, uh, some standout categories, definitely impact um, and profoundness, I put as pretty high. I Just based on the conversations that we were having, as well as some of the research that I did after watching the film, I can understand the impact that this had on cinema and, and uh, it's been a very long lasting film to survive as long as it has and be as highly rated as it has consistently been. So very impactful and, and it has a lot of messages and a lot of meaning. I know Hunter, you were just saying a bunch of repeat viewings, a lot of viewings left, get a lot of profoundness out of it. So those were both very highly rated. Still ended up giving it mostly sevens or eights outside of that. I also enjoyed the cinematography and the soundtrack for this film tremendously, despite my lack of investment in the main characters or story. Those stood out as I went through and watched it. So that's always a, a great sign for a film, especially because I, I often do not notice the soundtrack whatsoever. That just ends up being white noise and background to me. So mm -hmm. I actually noticed the, the, the jazz, as, as Colin was saying, it was a major vibe. That was the only yeah. part that I enjoyed about those those just driving around scenes was the major vibes that we had with the with the jazz. So that was a that was a solid eight for me. Overall, it it didn't score as low as I anticipated it scoring when I was watching. So I ended up uh, out at a seventy five, which will uh, probably increase over time if I ever get back around to watching this two or three times. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, a point I thought of is that last week we were watching in Bruges which has a lot of, you know, area shots to show the beauty of this fairy tale land that is Bruges, Belgium. And they play that beautiful music over it, and it's very soothing. Whereas this has got that noir jazz going over the nighttime shots of the hellscape that is 1970s New York. And I think there's a lot of contrast there and a lot of beauty in the fact that both of these stories are tales of morality uh, from warped points of view with bad people as the main characters doing bad things. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's up to society. And it's up to, you know, some would say the will of God to determine the real outcome, because as we see, society is pretty flawed. Um, and as we were talking about last week, strict moral judgment is also not the right way to go all the time. And so, I don't know, I think that while these movies can be very slow and very painful for some to watch, especially on the first time, uh, I think that it's really interesting how they both lined up like that. All right, well, with that, I think we're going to end this discussion. Thank you guys for joining us tonight. And thank you for listening. We'd love to hear from our listeners, whether it's behind the scenes questions or movie suggestions. What did you think about this movie? Are you a fan of noir films? Let us know by leaving a rating or by emailing us at ampedaboutmovies at gmail.com, which you can find in the description of this podcast. We hope this episode has gotten you amped about Taxi Driver, and we'll catch you next week when we discuss Don't Look Up. See ya. See ya.